Good evening. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks so much for listening and welcome. Welcome to our program for this evening. Please remember that you can find us on Facebook where we list all of the programs that are coming up for each week as well as the recordings for each show. And you can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. Our guest this evening, Danielle Finkelstein of Top Organic Project. She is going to be with us in just a moment and tell us all about what she is up to. This is Heartstock. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. This is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is manning the board, and our guest today is Danielle Finkelstein. She is one of the founders of Top Organic Project. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on Heartstock. And, you know, I have to preface everything that we're going to say here with the fact, let's just get it out in the open right here now, that it's a hard topic for many of us to talk about, myself included. And I have to congratulate you uh, for talking about it, number one, and for doing what you're doing. Please give our listeners a little introduction here of what it is that you do at Top Organic Project. Absolutely. So Top the Organic Project, we are an organic, eco-friendly um, period product brand with a key mission to get organic period products to women and girls everywhere. And just really about raising the awareness and educating women um, around this topic um, and the importance of making that change in their lives. I would imagine that there's a, an interesting story about why why did you decide to take this on yes yeah well let me just take you back to sort of sort of so you can hear my my story and how i got to where i am today is you know i spent 22 years in the fashion industry and i uh i was a started at Ann Taylor, went on to coach Kate Spade, and most recently I was the chief merchant at um, at Talbot's. Um, and I loved my career. I absolutely loved my career in fashion, and I was fortunate enough to be part of some really great brands and um, growing incredible teams. But here I was sitting at the top of my career, and really, truly, I was feeling empty and just not fulfilled. And it's truly, you know, I think back and when I was in that moment, 
that was the dream role I had always had. And really what was happening was I was missing out on a couple of things that were super important to me. Family has always been super important to me. My parents ingrained that in me. And I was missing out on raising my kids. I was not present. I was leaving the house everywhere between 5.30 and 6 in the morning, not getting home until 9 o'clock at night. And that really just came to a point that it just wasn't worth it to me anymore. And there was also something else. And I didn't know what it was until truly I you know, was able to jump into top. Um, but there was a deeper calling at the time and I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And as I said, at the height of my career, August of 2018, I took the biggest risk both personally and professionally and I left my job. I actually walked out of my job. I had no concrete plans. My husband, who was an unbelievable supporter of mine, um, said, you know what? This isn't healthy for us anymore. It's not healthy for you. And he was my biggest supporter and really pushed me to, to make the change. I am a huge believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, I've always felt this um, along my, you know, just growing up and even just in my career path. And at the same exact time that I had left in August, I reconnected with my cousin, who's also my co-founder, Thyme Sullivan. And she was also at a crossroads in her career. And she was thinking about starting her own business as well. And so we grabbed lunch and one lunch led to another lunch and another lunch and another lunch and another lunch. And what we realized is that we had something. And honestly, that the two of us could be a perfect match to build it. So just a little little bit of history on Thyme, because that really is where our story then sort of comes together of like how we built this, how we built the business is Thyme. She spent 27 years in consumer packaged goods. And for her, what she saw, and so she was at most recently Coke, Pepsi, and most recently she was at Nestle. And she saw the changes that were happening in food. And also just the change that she was doing in her own household. You know, she she didn't take pride in the products that she was actually, con, you know, selling out there every single day. But what was happening in her house, we both were raised by hippies. And so, you know, what was important to us was that what we fed our kids was organics. And what she was seeing is that here we both have daughters. We both were talking about changes that we were making in our lives. But we have daughters that were coming of age. And when we went out looking for period products, there wasn't anything out there that was eco-friendly, that was organic, and that really talked to us as moms in our generation. And that was really, that is how the idea and the thought of Top really came about was we wanted something that was better and safer for our daughters, but most importantly was for this next generation of girls that were coming up and really talking more about this Gen Z population that were coming up so that they were able to take control of a key part of their women's, of, the, of their health. And really, when we talk about just women's health, this is a key part of our, our lives every day. Uh-huh. Do you have any numbers or anything we can wrap our heads around as far as national or global impact of products that aren't organic and aren't eco-friendly? I, I yeah. would imagine it's it's much bigger than because we don't talk about it, you know, it's yeah. probably pretty impactful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think the environmental piece was definitely a large piece. I'll actually talk about two things, but the environmental piece was a big piece to us. You know, the impact that every single day, honestly, and then when you look at it on an annual basis, what's being disposed into landfills, 20 billion period products are disposed of each year in landfills um, here in the U.S. And when you really look at period products, the majority of them are plastic. And so for us, you know, we really tried to do everything we could as we were building the brand 
Ireland was make a commitment to introduce these eco-friendly biodegradable plant-based period products, you know, we still are disposable. Um, and so there are great options that are that are out there now. And there's such a great innovation that's happening within this category. So there's the cups, there's the underwear. But when we talk about this younger generation and really how we're focused on this more Gen Z, these girls that are coming of age, there still is this need and the importance of still having pads um, and tampons. But it was critical for us that what we did put out there was better for the environment because it is such a huge, huge, huge impact. You know, but then going back also just around to the organic side, you know, what what became sort of alarming to us was that there's actually a lack of transparency when it comes to feminine care period products. The US FDA does not require companies to disclose the ingredients in tampons and pads because they're considered a medical device. You know, when Thyme and I both unearthed this, both of us were mind blown. You know, Mm. we joke that, you know, we know what's in our dog food. Um, Honestly, like what we're feeding our dogs, you know the ingredients that's in that, but that that we don't didn't know what was in our tampons. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, women, it's every single month for four, four to five days for 40 years, almost 40 years that you could be putting these tampons into your body. And on average, they say that a woman could be using between 12 and 16,000 period products in her lifetime. And, you know, as we think about this younger generation of women, if we can help them control the toxins and chemicals that are going into their body or on their body, this was one that we can control because we can't control everything that's happening around us. We just, we, we absolutely can't, but this is one that we could. And so, you know, that environmental piece was really important, but also this transparency piece was really, really mm-hmm. important as well. Yes. And hopefully we can talk a little bit more about that, but first, Please share with us a little bit about your background and your history. My my ears perked up a little. You said that you were raised by hippies. I, Did I hear you right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, I was raised by my mom and my stepdad. And honestly, they they were and they still are my absolute rocks. You know, very humble beginnings. But what's amazing about them is, you know, they really, they taught me early on the value of hard work. They taught me taking risks. They taught me to get outside of my comfort zone. But I will say probably the most important thing they taught me was just the importance of finding love and happiness in life. And that was really where I reflected back as, you know, I was at the height of my career and in this very, you know, very great role, but I wasn't happy anymore. And, you know, I think for them and just what they sort of instilled in me has been a thread through for me in my career, you know, just definitely that value of hard work um, and taking risks and switching and taking this role and doing what I did and starting a business was hands down the biggest risk I've ever taken. But honestly, it is the best risk I ever took so far in my life. Mm. And how about college? Where did you go to school and and was it a business major? What what did you do? So so (laughs) I I actually, I had a full scholarship to college. I was a soccer player. um, And so I went to Union College in upstate New York. I had the intention of walking in. I was going to be a math major. Always, that was always one of my core strengths was math. And I took my first art history class and I fell in love with art history. So my dream was, okay, here I am. I'm going to go and I'm going to go work in museums. And then the reality hit of, again, a girl from very humble beginnings. I was moved to New York City. You know, in college, I met my, my future husband. Um, that was one of my loves of, of college. And the reality was I could not afford to live in New York City as as <laughs> working in a museum with, with my upbringing. So the different 
fashion, a couple of fashion companies were recruiting to, to Union, and that's how I ended up at, at Ann Taylor. Hmm. We never know the twists and turns, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> so when did you launch Top Organic Project? So we launched August of 2018 and really spent um, that whole fall of 2018. So it was really, I mean, I left and within almost two to three weeks, we were we were up and running. And, you know, again, that time of I was hoping to take some time to recharge, which I definitely did. And I definitely got a lot of time with my family. But I fell in love with this idea and this mission and what we were building. And honestly, after spending so many years in the industry, in, in the industry that I was in, it was finally this opportunity to actually create our own brand and create our own culture and organization and do it differently. And I think that's what was so exciting for me um, and as well as with you know my cousin Brian, that we actually got to create what this future was going to be for, for our organization. And so that became really exciting for both of us. We spent that fall really doing a lot more research, focus groups. We call it sort of our beta phase, just to really understand what was going to be important to the business once we officially, officially launched um, so we could get the kinks out and really get more feedback from friends and family at that point. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned doing things differently. Was this culture related or what? It what it, honestly, yeah. it was everything and anything. So, you know, the, the reality is, is that we both came from large corporate backgrounds and we walked in thinking some of these things we could do the same. But more importantly is what was so critical to us was just this being positive role models for women and where we both of us had worked our tails off and we were so many hours and we had to be in the office. And it was how do you how do you create an organization that works with your life, not against your life? And that was important to us. Like, how can you change it and make it part of your life and not in a negative way? But what it was, was we were both like, look, we missed out on so much of our children's lives. I'm going to take, I'm going to walk my kids to school every morning. You know what? I'm going to take a lunch break. You know what? Time's going to do a yoga class. Like it was incorporating into our day because this, we own the business. So we had to create those rules and we had to do it early on and do that differently than what we were never able to do in our previous, previous lives. Mm-hmm. We are at that halfway point. So we're going to take a very brief music break here in just a moment. Danielle will be back. This is Heartstock. This is Heartstock. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. Our guest today, we're speaking with Danielle Finkelstein, and she is the co-founder of Top Organic Project. Hi again, Danielle. Hi, Carol. So 
we were just talking about doing things differently. And I'm just hoping that you can share with our listeners a bit more about the mission of your enterprise. Uh, technically speaking, do you consider yourself a social enterprise? We do. Yeah, we definitely we definitely consider ourselves more of a, a social impact um, business or brand. Mm-hmm. And can you share with our listeners a bit more about the the mission? And I know that there's a philanthropic piece to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I shared before, you know, the key part of our purpose is that to get safer, eco-friendly and organic period products into the hands of all women and girls. You know, when we did our deep dive and really started to unfold the industry um, and feminine care, we, you know, which we already shared with you is just the lack of transparency, the negative impact um, to the environment. But the third piece that actually really tugged at our heartstrings the most was period poverty. And, you know, we think when we think about period poverty, I think most people do is you think on more of a global scale and you're thinking in third world countries, which is absolutely happening and it the the taboo in some of these third world countries is it's it's absolutely terrible and women not being able to get ahead but what alarmed us the most was here in the united states one in five women and girls experience some level of period poverty and what that truly means is that they don't have access to safe um, and really i use the word safe period products and if we think about that, so it's 20% of our population, the female population, is not able to go to school or work because it's something that naturally happens to them. And when we really started to dig into this, you know, what became and really, I think, probably pulled at our heartstrings the most was, you know, we started to really think about female equality and, you know, uh, you know, women truly finally having that moment of equity. Women are not going to be able to get ahead. If we cannot get women here in the United States access to safe period products, so what they're doing is they're using unsafe options. They're using um, mattresses. They're using toilet paper. Toilet paper. They're using napkin, like just stuff that they shouldn't be using. And so this became a very important part to our mission. And really, what we do every single day is part of our our business model is for every purchase at top we donate period products to women and girls and we've really we've really made more of a focus um, on where our products go is to middle school and high school girls and girls and young women because if these girls at that age can't if they don't have it and they can't get their education, they're not going to get ahead. And that just became really important to us. And so what we've really done is we've partnered with a lot of um, local organizations, but also, especially when COVID hit, we leaned heavily into this. You know, we had to do a lot of pivots in in our business in total, um, but we leaned heavily into this because we actually heard that women were making this decision between their rent and, you know, period products. And so the numbers have been one in five. I can guarantee that since COVID has hit that the numbers are probably, you know, more towards towards one in four women um, are experiencing this. And so we've continued to to donate product to some of these some of the hardest hit cities um, during during these uh, last couple of months to really support our our part of our mission and what we can do, but also most importantly is to to support these women who they don't they shouldn't have to make a choice. and i I know that we've come a long way, you know, stories that I've heard from my great grandmother, <laughs> grandmother, mother, you know, we're doing a better job of talking to each other and 
so on. But why? Why why is it so hard even still for us to deal with this subject in an open and honest way? I mean, it just seems like there's so much you, you mentioned yeah. taboo and kind of built in shame. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's so important to us. And a lot of that goes just to this education, educational piece. One, it is teaching these young women, you know, early on, we need to start having these conversations earlier. You know, I'm a firm believer that honestly, the conversations that especially when they're happening in school, that what they do is they separate the boys and the girls. And that right there brings in like a level of shame because it's like a secret. It shouldn't be a secret. We also have to give tools to parents, even in this even in this day and age, to give them tools on just how to have this conversation. This is a natural part of life. There are other conversations that are also taboo. You know, what became really important to us when we started, you know, started the business was how do we bring levity into this? And not to make it so that it's like, you know, it's crass in any way, but people want to laugh. And when you bring a little bit of levity into it, it lightens the load. And my cousin also is, she's very funny. And she bought early on into our business, um, probably like the first two months. Honestly, yes, it was the first two months. She saw on, it was like costume.com or halloween.com and she bought a tampon costume. And what that did for us is take these serious conversations with these young girls. And here she is dressed in her tampon costume. They were like, what the heck are you? Like, what is going on? <laughs> but what it did is that it was, it allowed, it broke down the wall to say, listen, I just want to talk to you guys about, you know, your periods. And it's okay. Like we can talk about this. And I honestly, I think the funniest thing is just like in our families, you know, we've both have um, sons and daughters and, you know, I've got a 12 year old son. and like, there's, he doesn't even blink anymore. When you talk about periods, like his friends now come over as boys that are 12 years old. It's just about normalizing the conversation and making it normal, but also having, you know, bring in a tiny little bit of levity. Like we call her our super tampon. Like she is and like, let's, let's, how, how, I mean, how can you do this into other, other, some of these other ta- taboo, taboo topics that are out there? Yeah. Too, but, you know, I think that is an important one. And, you know, really, truly, it is on the onus of women with, with their daughters to start really changing this generation that's coming up. These Gen Zs, they're activists, they're advocates. And if we can then arm them with the right knowledge and the information I foresee this conversation continuing to grow and the openness continue to change, um, which is exciting, which I think is really exciting for us, but then even more importantly for, for our children and that the future generations. Mm-hmm. You mentioned there was a little bit of change that has occurred in your business <laughs> as yes. there has been a, just a tiny little bit of change in all of our lives. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that and the even larger impact that you can have with yes. your efforts. You know, and listen, I, I think fortunate that between Thyme and myself is that we had, you know, both 20 plus years of experience in, in our careers and you're thrown things in many different ways. This is one I don't think anybody, I mean, we talk, you know, you talk to any, any, anybody who in business at this point, nobody's experienced anything like this, but what it taught us quickly was to quickly figure out how we had to pivot. 
And what we saw immediately, which I already talked about the, you know, the give back piece. So that was like, that was like an immediate thing. We're like, okay, part of our mission, we've got to stick to our mission. There are people out there that need what we have and how can we do that? And so we donated two times more than what we actually had intended at this in this half of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one piece. The second piece was, is we really started to look to see, see, okay, where's the consumer? They're not in stores anymore. Nobody's shopping in stores. So where she is shopping is online. And also then there was the rise of Instacart and all these other factors that were starting to happen. So we pushed our business into more on the side of on online selling into e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And so we made some shifts in, in the business and, you know, really had to make some tough decisions. You know, for us, the the fortunate piece is that we are truly like, it's the two of us and we've got a couple of people who are part-time. We didn't have to, you know, cut anybody. We didn't have to do any of that because we've been so lean to this point, which we've been trying to be just very capital efficient as much as we can. And so we were fortunate that we didn't have to make any major cuts in that regard. Um, but it did. It forced us to just really look look at what we were doing and change our strategy very quickly and just move on from there, take some key learnings and realize that things are going to be slower. And that's hard. That is definitely hard when you, you know, you own your own business and you're you're doing your own thing. This isn't definitely has not been an easy period, but you know, just pushing through and trying to find the green shoots wherever we can or those those you know those highlights in the business. That's what we've been just trying to uh, to build upon. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, you know, some of the shifts in, in capital and, you know, it's pro- developing a product is, is a challenge. Can you talk a little bit about your journey and how you, how you were able to do that? And funding is a big deal because you've got to basically create the product before you sell it. So Absolutely. that's some capital outlay. Yeah. Um, so we were self-funded from the beginning. And, you know, financially was a huge impact. Both, both Thyme and I were the breadwinners in our family. And so this was a huge pressure to our, to our own, our own families. We did finally do a seed round and raised money this past February. Um, And so that's really been able to help us push to do more innovation, to do more product development, but most importantly is to, to expand our distribution. And that's really at the end of the goal, you know, what our core purpose is, is to get these accessible products out to more women and girls across the United States. And that's, that's what this is going to allow us to do. And how about moving forward into the future? What are your plans? Honestly, you know, it is, which I, what I just said is, you know, we want to get our products to, to women and girls across America. We want to educate women. I think that's a really, really important piece, but just to let women know that they actually have a choice when it comes to their period. And that's really important. And, you know, Thyme and I, we talk about this often. We really struggled when it came to the fundraising. It's the reality is, is that that's probably the hardest thing we've experienced since we've started this business is there are stats when it comes to it's 3% of um, all investment money goes to women. That's a real truth and it's a hard truth. Um, And what we hope is that we can find success in this business and we can then be, you know, and go out there and help the future of female entrepreneurs and help them not have to worry about fundraising. Yeah, that's a big one. And several of our previous guests have talked about the statistics and the reality. What's your advice for women who are out there trying to do this very thing, you know, whether it be developing a product or, you know, some something in tech? How, yeah. how do we take on that challenge? 
the I it's this is hard work. This is grit. This is being very resilient. You know, being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. Honestly, it is definitely it's a, a hard journey. I highly recommend finding an amazing support system. That's probably the most important thing you can do around you. I wouldn't change what we're doing. Um, neither one of us would, but it's it's not an easy journey. It's an exciting journey, but it's not an easy journey. Yeah. And how might listeners find you? Our website is toporganicproject.com. Um, and you can also find us on social media um, between Instagram and Facebook at Top Organic Project. And those are those are the best ways. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being our guest on Heartstock. I really appreciate it, Danielle. Thank you, Carol. I'm happy to uh, be able to share this with your audience. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock, and uh, we shall see you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5, Butte America Radio. Hear our live programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. That time will take you and me.